At the outset, I would like to thank the brethren here for the opportunity to bring you the lesson this evening. I think with both the, the last song that was last, beautiful place called Heaven, as well as the reading that was done by Brother William. It pretty well sets the stage, or at least sets the tone of the lesson this evening. The topic of our lesson this evening deals that which we often think about, or I pray we often think about it, and that is heaven. I always liked in reading the Gospel of Matthew what Jesus said about the kingdom of heaven. And when I think about the idea of heaven, there, there are many, many things that come to mind. But I want you to think about that reading this evening as we go through this lesson. Because as you look at what Jesus spoke about the kingdom of heaven, as well as if you want to go back to that passage, there are about three other passages that talk about the kingdom of heaven. But in those three particular ones, I think there are some very important points which should be applicable to all of us. But let's talk about heaven here. When you think about heaven and what is heaven, you can always get out your cell phone or pull up your computer and, and look it up. It's amazing what you can find out out there on the internet. As we think of the word itself, it's a noun. It's defined in a few ways. It's a place regarded in various religions as the abode of God or of the gods and the angels and the good after death often traditionally depicted as being above the sky. Synonyms for this word include things like paradise uh, and other such words as that. As we think of this also, as far as its definition from a theological perspective, it's a state of being eternally in the presence of God after death. Now what I find interesting is as Jesus talks about his Father, as he talks about God during his earthly ministry, I think it's very clear and evident as you read what he has to say that God has a lot more to do with what we do day to day than after death. Indeed, I think this definition may be a little short-sighted in that area. But then there's a literal translation, literal translation or meaning of heaven or heavens. A little more familiar to most of us, we talk about the sky, especially perceived as a vault in which the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets are all situated. We think about the solar system and the galaxies. Indeed, the great heavens above us, we give names to the various stars and constellations. That's heaven too. What I find fascinating, if you've done much study or read regarding much concerning the heavens, the skies, the stars, the planets, how vast they are, it might impress you to know and understand that that is God's kingdom. He made it. And when you compare that to, to where you're at here upon this earth and what you do here, indeed you are a very, very small part 
of this vast creation that God has provided to us. Then there's another way to look at the definition of heaven, and that's a little bit more informal. <clears throat> I think it's better described as, as being curled up on the couch with a good book and enjoying the evening. I imagine there are other descriptions that many of us can come up with as we think of activities that we find ourselves in from time to time that we very much enjoy. Sometimes we make reference to that as heaven as well. And there are other synonyms that deal with heaven as well. Ecstasy, bliss, rapture, contentment, happiness, delight, joy, paradise, utopia, Eden, Shangri-La, or Arcadia. Heaven is something that's very much, indeed, a part of what you and I do and you and I believe regarding our relationship to God. Which brings us into our lesson this morning or this afternoon regarding this word heaven as it is used within God's word, particularly the New Testament. Depending on what translation you read, you're going to find the word heaven somewhere between 250 and 275 times in the New Testament. That word is used a whole lot, and it's used in the different contexts, or context, as we read about in the definition that we talked about here a little earlier. Whether it's talking about the heaven above us, the atmosphere, the earth, and then the heaven above. Or whether it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. The place where God is enthroned. His dwelling place. As we read, particularly in the Old Testament, how he, he looks down upon the earth at us men who are here. As we think of heaven in the New Testament, it is used in both ways. But particularly as we think of this idea of heaven, it's not something new to the New Testament, to the covenant of Christ. Heaven was also a covenant, or at least a part of the covenant, found among those who believed in God's word and did God's word in the Old Testament as well, Abraham being one of them. In the book of Hebrews, if you will turn there, Hebrews the 11th chapter, the chapter on, on faith as we often call it. In Hebrews the 11th chapter, beginning in verse 8, speaking of Abraham, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac, Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You know, that's a unique thing about heaven. Its builder and maker is God. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob... Yeah, they knew about the seed promise and the nation promise and the land promise. But they knew about another promise too. 
they were aware of eternity even from the beginning when God spoke to Abraham. Abraham became very much aware that there was a great deal more to this life than that which we deal with day in and day out and the toiling that we do upon this earth to provide for our families, for ourselves. Indeed, the life, the relationship that man has with God goes far beyond what is in this physical world. To that place we call heaven. I find it unique in the latter days of the ministry of Jesus. John records the words of Jesus in John 14. John 14, 1 through 4, Jesus here is speaking to his disciples. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare, to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. This is heaven. Jesus spoke of it. He spoke of it to his disciples, to those who were his followers. And here he is not talking about an earthly kingdom. What I always find unique is even at the point at which Jesus was fixing to be taken up by the Father at the ascension, his disciples were still asking him the question, uh, you know, will you at this time reestablish the kingdom here? Indeed, the kingdom here is important regarding the church, but as far as the rule and the nation of Israel, it is of no consequence at all. Because it is of the works of men. It is not eternal. And what Jesus was pressing upon his disciples, even as he presses upon us today, that we need to focus and we need to ever be mindful of that place to which we are going. You see, we are all going to heaven. They say, well, Brother Steve, what do you mean by that? The passage that William read, and if you go back and look at it, talks about a man who dealt in pearls. He found a pearl of great value. He went and he sold all that he had and he bought that pearl. As you and I think of heaven and our relationship to God, it must be like that man who dealt in pearls and that pearl of great value. That needs to be the most important thing in our life. Or the most important goal of our life, if you want to put it that way. Or like the man who was looking for treasure. And had found a plot of land with treasure. And he went and he sold all that he had and he, and he bought that plot of land so that he might have that treasure. Much like he who collected pearls. But there's still another idea there that Jesus gives as he talks about the fishermen who cast their nets into the sea. And they caught all kinds of fish and they brought them to shore and they separated them, the good from the bad. 
You know, when you read the book of Revelation, as John writes there concerning the things given him, when he talks about the judgment, he talks about a time when all men will come forth from the grave, from the sea, from the earth, and all will stand before God, and the books will be opened. Yes, we're all going to go to heaven. And at that point, just like the fishermen separated the, sh the, sh the fish, the good from the bad, there will be a time of separation there as well. Yes, heaven is something we need to be mindful of. So what is heaven from the New, New Testament perspective? From God's Word? What are the, blessings, the blessedness or the benefits of heaven? And who will go to heaven? In particular, to receive in heaven that fellowship and the rewards as a result of our obedience and believing on the gospel of Jesus Christ. First of all, what is heaven? We've heard the world's perspective of it in our earlier reading. But as we think of heaven, there are many things that come to mind. First of all, it is a place of security. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 and following. Matthew 6, 19 and following. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and <clears throat> where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where neither or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Heaven should be a place that we look forward to, that we long for, because it is a place of security. That is where our treasures are. But also as we think of heaven, we think of it as a, as a better country, a better place. As we get older, we begin to look around us, we begin to deal with health issues, we begin to see the world about us on a larger scale, especially in this day and time with media as it is. We live in a very small world today compared to that of our grandparents and great-grandparents who did not have the communications that we have now. The world in which we live is very small. And as you look in this world today, you can see the tragedies, the evils, the things that men do to one another. And that out of greed, out of hate. And yet, when I think of heaven, I know it is a better country than where we live today. Yes, we have it good here, in this country. But we still have the evils within this country among some who live here who do not desire to abide by the law of man or the law of God. And for that reason, there is evil. But heaven is a better country. Again, I'm mindful of the Hebrew writer as he speaks of Abraham and the many others in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verses 13 and following. The passage following that which we began with. It says, these of faith, these all died in faith, 
not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and they were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they were called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Think about that. Heaven is a better country. It is a place of security. But it is also, as we think of heaven, it's a place of rest. I'd say it's kind of like being retired, you know. You, you can do whatever you want to do each day, and if you don't want to do it anymore, you just go do something else. <clears throat> it's a place of rest. But heaven is particularly a place of rest for those men and women who have believed on and obeyed God in the things that He has revealed from His Word. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, speaks of this idea of obedience and belief. Hebrews 4, verses 1 through 12. I won't read the whole passage, but I think it's important to understand this regarding a place of rest. The writer states in Hebrews 4, Therefore, since a promise remains of the entering of his rest, here talking about God's rest, <clears throat> let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, them being those who were in the wilderness, those who came out of Egypt. But it was preached to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said. As I swore my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. Keep in mind that as you look at the exodus of the children of Israel out of Egypt, we find because of their lack of faith, their lack of belief, and the miracles that God performed as he delivered this nation of almost two million plus people out of Egypt, that all of the men, all of the adults 20 years and older, fell in the wilderness. If you look at the numbers as far as the men who were separated to go forth as the army into the land of Canaan and possess it, the difference between before their unbelief and at the time when they were actually allowed to go in and take possession of the land, those numbers are almost half, from 600,000 to 300,000 men. And all because of unbelief. The Hebrew writer goes on to write, he said, So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. 
And again in this place they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it. And those to whom it was first preached did not enter it because of disobedience. Again he designates a certain day saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. And there, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Therefore, or let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. As you think of heaven, it's a place where we will no longer be involved in doing works to glorify God. And that is a result of our obedience and our hearing God's word and doing it. And we have many examples, particularly of the children of Israel who came out of Egypt, who did not make that rest, did not reach that rest because of the hardness of their hearts. And yet as I think of heaven, I know it will be a place of rest. It will also, though, be a place of inheritance, a place prepared for God's people. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter 1, if you'd like to turn there, beginning in verse 3, Peter writes, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. As we think of this idea of inheritance, as we think of this idea of salvation, we will know God's salvation once we come to that place we call heaven. Indeed, it's bliss, it's eternity, it's benefits. Indeed, it will be a great and glorious time. What's interesting is I also think about what heaven is. As I go back and I think about a place of security, a better country, a place of rest, a place of an inheritance, I'm often mindful of the number of songs that we sing about heaven. We sing a lot of songs about heaven, if you think about it. That wonderful city of God, or where we will never grow old, or the home of the soul, or that habitation to which we are all headed. Which brings us to our next point. What are the benefits of heaven? Touched on those a little bit already. But I think there are some things we need to focus on regarding the benefits of heaven which are important to all of us. First and foremost, I think the greatest blessing will be 
the fullness of joy, happiness, goodness. David, I think, writes of it best in the Psalms. In Psalm 16, Psalm 16, verse 11, he says, You will show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. Joy. A beautiful three-letter word. Something we all long for, something we all need. We need joy. And yes, there are many joys in this life. The birth of a child, when a mother gives birth, the pain that is encountered in making that delivery, yet but when that child is born, there is great joy. The joys that we experience in dealing with loved ones, whether it be when they enter into marriage or when we ourselves may enter into marriage to another human being to begin a family. It might be the joy of, of walking across that stage and, and getting that little roll of paper, that sheepskin, after many years of schooling as we train for a certain occupation or degree. I always like seeing those hats thrown up in the air. Heaven will be much the same. It will be a time of great joy. The other thing we need to keep in mind though is a child of God. It will be a time when we will become, we will be in the likeness of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1-3, through 3, John writes, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. We will be changed, brethren. That is a part of our, our reward. That's a part of what we long for. We don't think much about this when we're younger, but when we get older and we find out that you know these bodies break down and things go wrong and so on and so forth, and most of us know about that this evening, who sat here. When we get to heaven, there will be no more of that. We will have a glorified body. It doesn't break, it doesn't get sick. And it lasts for an eternity. Now think about that. I know I have spent my, my life, or part of my life and my career, fixing and rebuilding things, particularly in the area of machinery. And I can guarantee you that, you know, it's just a matter of time if you use something that it's going to break or wear out. But when we get to heaven, we're going to be like Christ. There will be no need for our bodies to be fixed or repaired. They will be eternal. They will be indestructible and non-corruptible.
Yes, we will be in the likeness of Jesus as well as the joy that we will share. We will also then experience the salvation that we hear written of throughout the New Testament. The preaching of John, the preaching of Jesus, his disciples, the kingdom of God is at hand. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 8, Though you now do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You will take, I will take, in hand that promise that God has given us that hope that we have had for an eternity or until the time that we come to this place called heaven we will know what salvation is we will be safe with God forever indeed a great feeling that will be to be in the likeness of Jesus Christ the Son of God and to experience the joy that will indeed be there it will be a place where as the writer of the book of Revelation states regarding heaven it will be a place where God will wipe away every tear Revelation 21 4 first we all know Revelation 21 it says and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death nor sorrow nor crying there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away I talked about a synonym for heaven a utopia heaven is going to be indeed even greater and I think far more better than what I could ever think it would be from whatever you might think it might be and that is we read the bits and pieces that we know about heaven from God's word there will be no more tribulation there we will know the salvation of God we will be in the likeness of Christ and there we will know and express the joy the happiness and that is a result of running this race that God has set before us here which brings us to our next point who will go to heaven well from what I read in scripture I know everybody is going to go to heaven okay but it is also told to us that in heaven when everybody stands before God it will also be a time of separation much like the fishermen who caught the fish in their net they brought them to shore and then they separated the good from the bad yes all will go to heaven but more concerned am I is where I am going to be when that time of separation comes we are told in the Word of God that when those who obey Christ go to heaven they will be blessed 
because they have endured the things that God has requested and required upon them while living upon this earth in these earthly bodies. They have learned obedience, even as the Son of God learned obedience. Yes, Jesus Christ learned obedience. The writer of Hebrews, the writer of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews 5, verses 6 through 10, beginning in verse 6 of Hebrews 5, it says, As he, God, also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, in reference to Christ, Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with, with vermin cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus talked in his earthly ministry about those who would come after him, how they should take up their cross daily and follow him. Brethren, that's a part of what we do in this relationship that we have entered into with God through our obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not something that God just dreamed up for us to do. But we are following in the footsteps of Jesus, brethren. He suffered. We in like manner, we will suffer too. We will be tried and tested by the Father. And for those who run the race, those who complete that race, indeed heaven will indeed be a great and wonderful place because they will be with God and they will be with Christ. But also as we think about who will go to heaven and that to enjoy the blessings thereof, it will be those who do God's commandments. Again in Revelation chapter 22 verses 12 and following, the words of Jesus. He says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and they may enter through the gates into the city. But there's still another element we need to think about. Indeed, we will all endure some persecution, some suffering because of our faith in Christ. I am thankful that we do not live in the time in which Jesus lived and shortly thereafter the time of the apostles. <clears throat> Indeed, there was great persecution against the brethren, which was which is quite evident from the writings of the New Testament to different churches. But even we, in this world in which we live, in this time, in this nation, we will still endure some suffering, some persecution. We need to be mindful of the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, 18 and following. Romans 8, 18. For Paul writes, For I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. 
Paul makes such statements also in 2 Timothy 3.12 as well as the words of Jesus in John 15.20. Indeed, discipline is a part of any relationship. And without discipline, even the Hebrew writer reminds us that if God does not discipline, then we will not be one of God's children. Yes, as we think of who will go to heaven and that to share the glory of God and the kingdom of God that we read about that Jesus spoke of in the gospel according to Matthew, we have need to obey Christ. To obey God's commandments. To deal with the suffering, the persecution. And that because of our hope. Because of that hope, for those of us here who have obeyed the gospel, because of our hope we have heard the good news of Jesus, we have believed in Jesus as the Son of God. We have confessed Jesus as Lord in our lives. We have put Him on in baptism. Yes, we have repented of our sins knowing that if we desire a place with God when heaven is manifested and made known to the world of the worlds, indeed our place will be with Jesus. And it will be His cleansing blood which will make us stand pure and right in the sight of God because of that good confession. And because of the good works that we go on to do as a result of that covenant relationship we have entered into with God. Yes, we're in a contract with God. And part of that contract is when this physical life is over, I have the promise of going to heaven and being among those who will be with God and Christ when that judgment is made. And that because of the forgiveness of my sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. God gives all men that opportunity and he does not wish that any should perish. And yet men in this day and time choose not to hear or to respond to the word that God has revealed to mankind. Many even look upon the idea of death as being the end of all things, like that of the Epicurean, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Indeed, how disappointed they will truly be when they are assembled at that great judgment and find out that that was not the case at all. But for those of us who have heard God's word, who have entered into that covenant relationship, let us be mindful of the words of the Hebrew writer in the 12th chapter, verses 1 and following in the book of Hebrews. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God.
Jesus is there for you. He is there for me every day that I live upon this earth. Every day that you live upon this earth. And that is a child of God. He is also there every day. He's there 24-7 for those who would come to God through Him. And one of the greatest blessings that we have that has been revealed within God's Word is that one day, one day all of us will enjoy the bliss, the fellowship, and the time with God and Christ and those who have gone on before us. If only we will believe and desire to put a value upon this place we call heaven. Yes, it is like a pearl of great value. It is like a land, a piece of land with great treasure. It should be important to each and every one of us. Important enough that we strive to run this race, to walk that narrow path, turning neither to the right nor to the left. Indeed, heaven is a very important part of what we have as God's children and God's promises. And it's something we must ever be mindful of. If you're here tonight, you have not obeyed the gospel, we encourage you to do so. And that to take hold of, to enter into a relationship with God, and to come to understand this hope of heaven that we've talked about this evening. If you're here tonight, you've already made that good confession, and you have the need of the prayers of the brethren that meet here for whatever reason. Make that known now, and that is we stand together and sing the song of invitation.